Hello everyone and welcome back to the Uncensored CMO. Now this month, in case you hadn't have noticed, is actually Black History Month. And uh, if you've been following me for any length of time as well, you'll also notice that at System One we've produced some work on diversity called Feeling Seen. Um, we produced a large uh, piece of research in conjunction with ITV and Decca Media Consultants looking at the impact of representation on advertising and how the audience feels. And I was thinking, who could I get to come on the podcast and talk about this? And I thought the very best person is Addy Rawcliffe uh, at ITV. Now, Addy is Group Director of Diversity and Inclusion for ITV. She's the only board level diversity person on the FTSE 100, which makes her superbly qualified to talk about the importance and power of diversity and inclusion today. Now, of course, in the last 18 months, we've seen a lot of a lot happening in society, a lot of challenges, and there's a big response uh, for us as advertisers and brand owners to get diversity and inclusion rights. And I really wanted to talk to Ali because she really knows what she's talking about. She's also somebody leading change in the industry. Prior to ITV, she was at Channel 4 for 10 years, and she saw a big, big change in their diversity programming, not only on screen, but also off screen. And she's doing the very same thing at ITV. So I wanted to find out from Addy what makes diversity and inclusion work? How do you go about getting it right? And also, what was her response to being involved in this project that we did with ITV and DECA, looking at how advertising and advertisers can step up and get diversity done well? Addy, as you will soon discover, is an absolute ball of energy and so passionate about diversity. Having grown up herself as a black woman in the UK, um, going from making Shirley Bassey's tea on set right through to the uh, management board of ITV. She is a truly impressive woman and has got so much good advice to give. So listen to this episode, you'll really enjoy it and you'll get a lot out of it. Here's Addy Rawcliffe. Well, listen, I'm really excited to be meeting up with my friend in real life, Addy Rawcliffe. So, right, I'd love if you can just tell us your journey to here and what got you into TV and production and what led you to this role. And, and just tell me your background, your background story. So my very first job in television was as a runner on Stars in the Rise. And my job was to look after the fake Shirley Bassey and get her Earl Grey tea and things like that. Oh, wow. And so it was a real sort of way into the industry. And in those days, everyone started as a runner. I think they still do. I think one of the great things about television is that everyone sort of starts at the bottom, irrespective of your, of your background. And I think that I grew up always loving watching telly. I mean, I grew up in a really boring town, Macclesfield in Cheshire, and yeah. actually telly was probably one of the best things about it yeah. when I was growing up. So it was a real escapism. And my parents used to always tell me off and say, you watch far too much television. Now I'm getting the last laugh, because look at me now, because obviously oh, television has been such a big part of my life. And I did, I think I really benefited. I look at young people now trying to get into the industry, and I think I really benefited from the fact that television was expanding. So it was that sort of VX1000 generation where I worked the big breakfast and you could get jobs quite easily because television was expanding and there weren't enough trained people so we sort of learned by making mistakes on air and things like yeah. that so i really benefited from that but i think i always really cared about representation because i think seeing myself i mean i just think of some of the shows that i love watching i love watching different strokes growing up yeah. and mainly because it was one of the few like, characters i saw on television i probably think now it probably wouldn't be particularly woke, if you like. Yeah. But I, I sort of loved that, and I loved the Cosby show. I just loved anything that I could see a bit of myself in. I couldn't wait to see Trevor MacDonald on the news yeah, at 10 o'clock. Yeah. And I think it was one of those things that 
I remember my sister used to always say to me, every time we saw a black person on screen, she'd say, come downstairs and look. And by the time I got downstairs, they disappeared. And I contrast that to how my children view television now. And we really have made progress oh, because they have such a range of representation on screen. And actually, they're really fussy. If they don't see themselves represented, they won't watch it. And much more demanding than we were in our generation. Interesting, interesting. So, so you started out as a runner. I, I was, one of the questions I wanted to ask yeah. you actually is if anyone's listening now and they want to kind of get into TV, as it were, it does seem like one of those, I mean, I'm sure lots of people would love to do it. How do you? How would you do it today? Like, what, what would be your advice? So my advice would be to sort of work out what it is you want to do and who the people are that you want to work with and just keep in contact with them. Yeah. And if they don't have an opportunity but you really want to work with them, keep watching their stuff. And a good trick is when you say to people, look, can I come and have a 15-minute chat with you? No one's too busy to have a 15-minute chat with you. And once you've made some sort of connection with people, often when they're thinking about opportunities, they'll think about you. I think that's great advice because it's very rare that you reach out to someone at just the moment they happen to have a vacancy, right? But if you can stay on their radar then when the time comes, you're more likely to, you know, more likely to do that. And I think also develop an expertise in what you want to be, because I think you need to put the work in. So lots of people say to me things like, oh, I want to make films. And you think, well, go make one. You've yeah. got a phone, yeah. just go and do it. And I think the barriers to entry are so much lower than they when we were starting yes. out. And so I think that go and do what it is that you want to do to show people that you're interested in your commitment, because that will make you stand out from That's others. Great advice. I love the credits thing, actually, because, you know, we're trained to switch off when the credits come on, aren't we? Yeah. But actually what you've got is basically a contact list of everybody involved in making that film. Absolutely. That's a wonderful idea. And of course, with LinkedIn and stuff like that now, yeah. you know, Twitter, you know, people are much easier to reach than back in the day when we had to write letters, you know. And also people in these creative industries love talking about their work. So if you send a producer an email saying, I loved your programme, they'll love you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a top tip. That's wonderful. Um, let, let's, let's jump to Channel 4, because you're yes. Channel 4, if I'm allowed to talk about Channel yeah, 4 on the, you know, while I'm chatting to you, because... Um, you did some wonderful things and of course Channel 4 has gained a reputation particularly for leading the way on diversity and um, what what tell me about what you did there and what impact that's made yeah. um, on the wider industry so I went to Channel 4 and I'd grown up loving Channel 4 and we almost sort of remember in 1982 I mean we all I, I always say that's when colour television really arrived in Macclesfield because mm. the first time you saw you know gay people black people yeah. all these different people on screen and it sort of slightly blew my mind and so I'd always loved their output I'd worked on things like the Big Breakfast and I just wanted to get a job there and again back to my earlier point I sort of I got to the point where I would have done any job I would have worked on reception I loved it so much but I was a producer by then and there was an opportunity to work developing talent developing diverse talent on screen and off screen and I just thought oh my goodness this is such a brilliant job because as a producer it was one of the things I'd always felt most passionate about and I went to this job and I thought I'd do it for three years and ten years later I'd done so many different jobs but what's great about Channel 4 is it drives the industry and what you can see is that the shift so doing the Paralympics in London 2012 amazing, yeah. amazing but you look at it and now you look back at it and you go of course it was going to be a success yeah. but the truth is we didn't know we yeah. didn't know and there were so many people that worked so hard and there was so much commitment I mean we threw the absolute kitchen sink at it and you remember that sort of uh, marketing campaign yeah. which we did after the Olympics which said thanks for the warm-up and I had a friend who, what a brilliant it's amazing isn't it <laughs> yes. and I had a friend who is disabled and she said to me when I watched that I cried because oh. the first time I felt like I mattered in the same way that able-bodied people do and I think it was just that positioning wasn't it yeah. that Channel 4 did and what we noticed we did all this work in 2012 particularly around presenters on screen and now it just seems so obvious that you would yeah. get disabled talent to present disabled sports yeah. but then it was sort of groundbreaking but by the time we got to Rio 
all the other broadcasters were doing it. So you see how you can shift, you sort of see the world. I know it sounds really grand, but you sort of see the world changing in front of you. And I don't know if you've sort of been watching the Olympics coverage, yeah. but now you've got sort of JJ Chalmers, yes. who was a Paralympic presenter, presenting the Olympics. And so that's just that's absolutely... That's very this year, yeah. actually, yeah, hasn't it? Yeah. And that's absolutely yes. where you want to get it. And we all yeah. sort of borrow... And this is the thing about creativity, isn't it? We all borrow off each other. So you see a sort of Channel 4 idea, and we, you know, lots of things that Channel 4 have done have influenced ITV and Sky and the BBC. And that's how creativity works, is we all sort of feed off each other. Yeah. So it's a really brilliant way that we were able to reposition it. And then the following year, in 2016, we did the same on screen, but also off screen, in that we trained sort of 20 disabled staff to work behind the scenes oh, and took them to work in Rio. And it was the most amazing thing. I mean, another sort of a young disabled person who was working with us said to me, oh my goodness, I've never been in a room with so many disabled people. It feels really <laughs> weird to me. But it was just an amazing learning for me as well. And it's just this whole thing about inclusion as well, because people have various different um, disabilities, what we had to do is be really strict about what time people started their shift and finished their shift, but we had to do that for everyone, so we all benefited. So there's lots of things that you can benefit by creating a more inclusive culture. The thing, the thing that struck me as well about the Paralympics is, you know, the Olympics is a celebration of achievement against adversity and against the odds, and nothing demonstrates that more powerfully than, than Paralympians who have had to overcome extra adversity yeah. to get to where they are. And, and, the, and, and the stories that you discover yeah. are really mo moving and powerful, aren't they? And I, yeah. I think it's a wonderful... And the other, the other thing, I think, is it's an opportunity for advertisers as well yeah. to be part of the story, part of the journey, part yeah. of making, you know, yes. um, bringing those things to our attention. It, yeah. It's a wonderful opportunity. I mean, um, System One, actually, we've just finished testing um, all the adverts for the Paralympics, oh, actually. And uh, we'll come on to this later when we talk about feeling seen. But what's lovely is we're getting four and five stars. So the, the top scores from like Toyota, Samsung, and also Channel 4's own advertising as well. And it just shows when you show, you know, we're all moved, aren't we, when we see some of the stories of the Paralympians. And it, and, and it just opens our eyes in a, in a quite moving way. And it just, you know, so it's not, it, I mean, one of the things we'll, we'll talk about later with feeling seen is it, it's not niche no. at all. And I think yeah. this is something that we need to kind of help people understand is that by representing a, a group like, you know, to say people with disability, it's not like you're excluding everyone, you're allowing everyone into the conversation and yeah. everyone to, you know, be seen, which is great. But it's interesting because what we, so in 2012, we had, did, Channel 4 did lots of research that found that the perception of disability had shifted because of the Paralympics. Oh, so wonderful. people felt differently yeah. about disabled people because of the Paralympics. But, you know, the sort of funny stories of people, you know, just being, going about their daily business in wheelchairs, being asked for their Paralympians. So what was interesting, by the time we got to 2016, we did some other research which said that lots of disabled people felt great about the Paralympics but what about people that just wanted to go to the pub yeah. So I think we can have our superheroes, which yes. is really important, but we've got to do sort of inclusion in mainstream programming. So you see people going on dates, people shopping, people doing going to the pubs, so people doing normal things that's as well as being superhuman. And that's one of the things we found in the Feeling Seen report, of course, wasn't it? It's just show me every day. Yeah. You know, you don't have to show me as a special case yes. or as, as the fighting the good fight and the struggles, yeah. you know, just show every day. You know, yeah. that, that's really important. Yeah. Um, the, the other thing I noticed about the, the, the um, TV industry as well is how you've collaborated it with certain events. Like, like with the, the Sainsbury's Christmas ad yeah. where you all got together and, and took over the thing. It's wonderful to see the collaboration that happens between networks. You, you kind of assume, don't you, you, you must be you know, deadly competitors, yeah. you can't speak to each other. But it's wonderful when it comes to 
you know, a, a good cause like this that you kind of pull together your talent and do yeah. something quite... I think also as well, it's sort of not a zero-sum game because what happens with talent is, you know, talent might start on Channel 4, then they might go yeah. to ITV or go to the BBC. So actually having more diverse talent benefits us all and it's not an area where we necessarily have to compete. We can collaborate. But of course, you know, when Channel 4 do something brilliant, I used to work there, I feel a bit like jealous, but it, 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 I'm happy that they're doing it and it's brilliant to see their latest um, Channel 4 Paralympic ad, which I think is brilliant. You know? Well, I love what you said earlier about, you know, how you inspire the whole industry and you can see the ripple effects yeah. you know from one channel doing something and uh, you know you know itv will do something yeah. as well you know and take yeah. a stand and yeah. that'll be seen by everyone else yeah. which is which is brilliant yeah. so let's jump into itv then yeah. so you've been here a year yes. and i think i'm right in saying that the first FTSE 100 company that's got a group at the board yeah. level director of diversity inclusion which got to be a really important state was yeah. that a conscious decision by itv to embed the agenda at the very, very top. Yes, it was. It was a really conscious decision to do that. And I think it's been really, I mean, I'm a year in and it's been a really interesting journey. I think the thing that I've been struck by being at the boardroom table is how many things intersect with diversity and inclusion. So you could be talking about your organisational restructure, you could be talking about recruitment, you could be talking about office moves. And there's so many sort of big business decisions that actually intersect with that so actually being at the table has been really helpful I think for the business but I also I'm really aware that I am one person and so just by having a black woman on your board does not mean the job's done so there's lots of work still to do but also I think that I'm also really aware of who else I'm representing who isn't around the table and that's one of the things that I've also been trying to encourage in other board members just thinking about whose voices are we missing and how do we make sure that those are included too. Oh, that's really interesting. Just quickly for benefit of people listening, give, give us the, the, the five kind of prongs to your plan yes. over the yes. last yes. year. Yes. Just, just headline that and I'd yes. love to find out how, course, how, how it's going. So we, I mean, the last 18 months have been extraordinary. I mean, they've been seismic and, you know, mm. and I think that we're all feeling quite tired, but I think that what the pandemic did is it highlighted inequality in a way in society that we just couldn't turn our, you know, we just couldn't ignore it. It was just really harshly brought out all the inequalities in our society, if it's around ethnicity, if it's around geography, if it's around social class. So, and there was that. And then, of course, after that, we had the murder of George Floyd and the, you know, the Black Lives Matter protests. And I think that we had always prioritise diversity and inclusion but I just think there was a real sense that we needed to do more and go faster and be more accountable and I think that's a sort of you know nationwide feeling I think lots of businesses felt that and I think what's really important when you set about a diversity and inclusion strategy is just not to have too many things because I think some people get into a thing where they um, someone someone said to me the other day that they'd seen a diversity and inclusion strategy and they said they felt like it was an August catalogue because there was so oh, much wow. in it yeah. and I think that you've got to just think to yourself, what are the few things that we're going to commit to where we can get the whole organisation to do them and we can measure our progress? So our big thing had been, the first thing was around senior leadership. So as you've just said, I've been appointed to the management board. When we've had opportunities on our PLC board and our studios board, we've hired people who bring a wider perspective and I think that what's really important is that we want diversity at the highest level but we don't want people to feel like token hires we only want to hire people that are good enough for the job but what my view about that is is that talent is equally distributed through society yeah. so yeah. if you say to people go out and get me a diverse shortlist and then just recruit on merit you will get diversity and so I think that's really important and because I never want people to feel they've been hired because they're black or they're yeah. gay or they're disabled because that's not what we do at ITV yeah. we always want the best person for the job but what we're trying to do is 
broaden out um, the range of people that work here. But I also think you have to challenge what best means as well. Mm. And we've done a lot of searching and looking at ourselves as an organisation, particularly around, you know, unconscious bias and race fluency. I'm really challenging ourselves on what best looks like. And, I, you know, we all have we all have things that we like about people and you have to really sort of challenge yourself to think to yourself, when I'm hiring that person, am I hiring them because I think they're the best person in the job for the job or am I hiring them because they're the person that I want to go to the pub with on Friday? Yeah. And the first thing's okay, the second thing isn't. Yeah. And I think we have to really... Force That's very interesting. Because I often think that a lot of it is sort of familiarity, isn't it? Yeah. We, we, we're kind of comfortable with things yeah. that are familiar yeah, and it's, it's about making ourselves actively conscious of that yeah. and go, well, actually, you know, let's be a bit uncomfortable with someone yes. with a different background, different yeah. worldview and, and, and so on. Yeah. yeah, that makes a lot and of sense. So there's that. So there's things about senior leadership. The second thing was around on-screen representation. Mm. And we'd done some research um, prior to launching the Acceleration Plan. And what people had said to us, really, what I'm always struck by is how brilliant viewers are and how much they know about our business and how much they can teach us. And they were sort of saying to us things like... Um, we really like that you've got more diversity in your, you know, your programmes, but we don't want to just be the best friend. And we want to be in control of the narrative. We want to be the lead presenter. We don't want to be the sidekick. So we've worked really hard around getting more lead presenters. So on Loose Women, we now have Charlene White as Nanka, and we had our first ever all-black female panel. And what I love about that is I love the sort of, you know, you get awards, it won an RTS award, but I love it when someone writes in and says, I was watching that with my daughter and there were four role models she could see. Yeah. So I think those things matter to the me. role model thing yes. is very yeah. powerful. Yeah. And, you know, very you powerful. can't see what you, yeah. you know, you can't be what you can't see. Yeah. And I'm as excited about that as I am about the awards. So yeah. I think those things matter an awful lot. So we've done a lot around on screen, around leads in our dramas, McDonald's and Dodds. We've got a sort of black woman who's a lead detective. So it's all these sorts of things where you've got people controlling the narrative. And we've commissioned a whole load of you know writers who are telling stories. But what's really important for ITV is we're mainstream broadcaster. Yes. So when we tell a story, it's for everybody. And if it, just because it's from a black perspective, what we're going to be doing is telling that story, but we want to latch onto things that make us universal. So it's about family, it's about relationships. That's the way we tell stories uh, from different perspectives at ITV. I, I think that is such powerful insight because one of the things that came up in the research we did is it's better to tell someone's story very well yes. than try and tell everyone's story badly yes. kind of thing. Yes. Uh, and, and I think you were talking to me about a uh, a new drama that's that's filmed in a in a black hairdresser's. Yeah. And I have to confess to it, you know, I embarrass myself now. But a university I shared with um, uh, two Nigerians and a Kenyan, right. and we got like an absolute house on fire. And I remember the one awkward moment was I was like I was going to the hairdressers, and I said to Kende, I said, "Why don't you go to my hairdressers?" And of course, like of course, you'll understand why. You know, it's like a bit of a stupid thing to say. And you know, of course, you then it's it's brilliant. But I, it really struck me that you know. Telling people stories, it's based on real human life and human yes. truths and insight around people's lives. Yes. It doesn't matter no. that, in a way, it's irrelevant to some extent. It's important yes. that, you know, we're seeing different characters and different cultures and yes. so on. But, but if it's a great story set in that, then we'll all kind of enjoy it, won't we? Yeah. And I think if it's authentically told, because that's yeah. the thing that you were sort of sort of um, alluding to before, when you that stick on, where it yes. doesn't feel like it's anyone's yes. story, and you yes. just think, oh my goodness, I don't know what this is. Yeah. But I think when you let someone tell an, a, an authentic story yeah. that's from their perspective, I think we'll all find bits of ourselves and our yes. own families in it. Exactly. And that's what yeah. we, that's what connects us to the yeah. story. Yeah, I think that's, that's, that's super powerful as well. And um, one of the things you touched on there, actually, which I noticed in the report, which, which sounded like really good progress, was the amount of 
uh, writers as well that are coming from diverse backgrounds to tell those stories. That seemed to be one of the real bits of progress that yeah. had happened in ITV. I, th I can't remember the exact numbers, but yeah. there was a big jump in yeah. the off-screen yes. representation. That seems like an important part of this yeah. puzzle, as it were, doesn't it? Because presumably writers will bring their own experience and their understanding of culture and all that kind of thing will come into the writing and make the whole thing easier then. Is, yeah. is that right? Um, no, it really, really matters. Um, we worked really hard to have a wider range of writers and I think it really matters because I think the perspective from which you tell a story um, matters and... But I also think it gives you new opportunities. We're in a creative business, and actually when there's been some cultures that haven't been able to tell their stories, that gives you a whole load of new stories oh, you can tell. Yeah. So there's loads of things. So yeah. I'm, I, you know, I think it's always worth looking in different places for stories, because I think it will give you something that's probably creative and something that you haven't that's heard before. That's a great approach. Yeah, 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 because you're just opening up more creative possibilities yes. and, and stories that haven't been told that are yeah. going to captivate audiences, because yeah. they've just... And also, one of the powerful things of TV is sort of living other people's lives, yeah. isn't it? That's what you do as a viewer, isn't yeah. it? You know, you go, oh my God, that's, that's yeah. really what it's like, you know. Yeah. It's very ironing and quite powerful. Yeah, no, I think that's really right. And I think you can learn so much about other people's cultures through drama, actually, yeah. and through storytelling. Yeah. And it's interesting around sort of issues and things like that. We, we do a lot of issues in our soaps. We're doing a whole thing about racism in our soap storyline at the moment in um, Coronation Street. And what often happens is when charities have an issue they want to talk about, what they would rather have as a soap storyline than yeah. documentary because you live because you live with it yes. and you live through it and yes. you learn about it and you learn about how you feel about things and so actually having a mainstream soap or having two mainstream soaps gives us a real opportunity at ITV to tell stories in a way that connects with our viewers and actually challenges how they think about things yeah I, do you know I think soaps are so powerful we can all remember those big moments oh, can't we you know what I mean it's like it lives with you for so long you've got such a big responsibility yes. and opportunity as well yes. which I think is brilliant um, so as, as you look back so you, 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 you've you, you, you're a year into the plan. Yes. How do you assess it? What's what's kind of where's the progress being made, which is great, and where point us to also where the things you think we need to move yeah. to next. So what I would say is that the progress has. So you know, I talked about our on screen that's improved. We've improved the range of writers we're working with. We did a specific thing around TV production because that's a particular challenge, which where we gave sixty people the opportunity to step up. So that was really good, and we've done a lot of work around internal culture, um, race fluency, and we launched a positive action training scheme called ITV Rise. So we've done all those things. I'm really pleased with the progress we've made. And it's not just me, it's team effort. I always say that, you know, if I am trying to drive diversity and inclusion, everybody has to play their part. It's a bit like me being the sustainability monitor. If yeah. I'm the only person doing it and no one else is sort yeah. of, um, no one else is recycling and everyone's gas guzzling, it makes absolutely no difference. So um, it's been very much a team effort and everybody at ITV has played their part in it, which I'm really pleased about I think the challenge with all this sort of stuff is that you can't stop you've got to keep going you can't just say oh we've done that now and move on so it's just keeping the momentum and that's what keeps me awake at night just keeping the momentum going so lots of those initiatives like the step up 60 like the on-screen representation like the writers those are things that just have to keep going and you just have to keep doing more and more and more because you want to build a critical mass of people yeah. and that's when you really start to shift the sector so I think that really matters I think specific areas of underrepresentation still for ITV are disabled talent particularly on screen and I think as we were talking about, you know, you think about the opportunities you have for the Paralympics, you think, could Johnny Peacock be on ITV? There are lots of people that now have become household names yeah. as a result of what the Paralympics have done and how they've sort of brought a whole generation of disabled talent through. So I think that's an area where we've got to do more. And I think social class is still an issue. 
Yeah. Um, I think that's a real issue. And I think it's an issue because I still think a lot of kids are not getting access to media companies. And um, we've just taken, we've just launched the Kickstart scheme, you know, the new government initiative for young people that have been unemployed. And we've got 11 opportunities we're going to do around that. And hopefully we'll do more. But I still think how people enter the creative industries is a challenge. I mean, I heard a story the other day, and it wasn't an ITV story, but someone told me about their son having done a really long stint of work experience, unpaid still, and I thought we'd stamp that out. And that is really bad, and it's really, and I just think if anyone's listening, Unpaid work experience is really bad. And the reason it's bad is not just because you're not paying the person that can't do it, but because you're basically saying to someone, you cannot have an opportunity here unless your parents can afford to bankroll it. Mm. So you're closing the door to a whole load of other people. So please don't do it. And That yeah. is a fabulous... I've not thought of it from that angle, but you're absolutely right. Because by, by definition, you're yeah. the only people that can do yes. that. Are, you've got to be very wealthy to yeah. live for a year, two years yeah. or nothing, haven't yes. you? That makes sense, yeah. So that's so those are sort of things that we're working on. And we've just announced the Cultural Advisory Council, which I'm really excited about. And that's really, in fact, Chris Kenner's on it. Oh, yes. Yes, right, Chris yeah, Kenner's yeah. on it, yeah. uh, who you will know. Um, and that's really exciting because I think it's really good for us to be challenged from people on the outside um, because we need the outside in thinking. That's and I really think, yeah, yeah, and just getting other perspectives from other industries. So what would, you, what would your top tip be? So if someone's listening and they go, actually, I want to step up and be the DNI champion in my organisation. I want to create the change to kind of change you're bringing what advice would you give to them to sort of you know deliver the sort of change you've delivered in the last year yeah I think the first thing is you need to sort of get barring from the top so you need your senior leadership team to say look this really matters and I think that one of the things that we did with our commissioning editors is we sort of made it one of the key objectives so it became about related to their performance pay if you like and so I think things like that help so I think first of all you need to get buy-in from senior leadership then you need to think to yourself what are the things that we can change quickly and what are the things that we can change that are going to take a bit longer and I do think that because a lot of DNI stuff takes a long time in order to keep people motivated, you need a few quick wins. Mm-hmm. So for us, we did a lot of stuff to change our lineups on screen and things like that. And so we could do that quite quickly. But if we're trying to change our senior leadership team, that will take a bit longer. So I think you've got to work out what are the things that can signal how your organisation is um, quite quickly. And I think also you need to be thinking about how people think about your business as well. I think that really matters. And I think, you know, we've talked before, we'll get, we, you, as you well know, ITV have done a whole load of work around, we did our um, Britain's Got Talent ads, yes. we did our England ads. Yes. And I think that's positioned yeah. ITV in a way that people think, actually, if I see a it job yeah. that's at ITV, then I would actually like to apply for that. And I think often around recruitment, because we are working in businesses that are oversubscribed, we don't know how to outreach to talent that's different. Yes. And I think we're oversubscribed with people that like us. Yes. And actually, if you want to get different people, you need to go out and actually say to people, come in, we do, we do want people like you. Just putting a job advert is not enough. You're right, what a brilliant advert. You say, we see you, we yeah. get you, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, one of the most powerful lines I think I've ever heard was the one about, you know, we're changed when we're seen, yeah. just as we're changed by what we've seen yeah. sort of thing. I just think that was such a, yeah really really insightful powerful platform yes. yeah that's been absolutely brilliant um let, let's jump and talk about the um the feeling scene report yes. obviously we worked on together yes, and th- yes. thank you so much yes, for your input yes. on this it was it was great and one of one of the one of the things that was kind of important to me personally was 
to try and obviously advertising is an important part of the whole mix because I mean what, what the change that you've delivered on programming is, is is wonderful and of course you know on ITV and on other channels there's a lot of advertising that goes with it and a lot of conversation I've had with people um, about getting diversity and inclusion right mm-hmm. there's some nervousness sometimes so one of the things I was keen to do was was work with you mm-hmm. uh, and work with Decker as well on on actually bringing some sort of facts and figures to the yeah. table really just yeah. say well you know when when people see uh, minority voices or minority represented in advertising how does it make them feel but also how does it make the wider population feel because um, I wanted to try, try and tackle some of the maybe some of the nerves that exist you know where people you know you see the backlash that happens on Twitter very often and yeah. and sometimes I worry you make decisions based on that so it was it was it was a lovely exercise to work together on on it what um what sort of struck you about the about the report and what stood out for me about the report was that I spend a lot of time in my day job saying, you know, the creative case for diversity, the commercial case for diversity. And what you did is you proved it. Mm-hmm. So I think having the data to see how it made people feel and actually measuring it just speaks to that thing that, you know, the creative and the commercial case for greater inclusion. So I think that's something that people should feel comfort from. Yeah. So I think that whole debate about whether you should do it now you've said yes Yes. so we don't need to have that debate anymore now the debate has to be about how we can do it but i think what that's what was so brilliant about the research is it just categorically said this is good for your business and had the data to support it so i was really struck by that great i I was so pleased about that because you know you know we'd all agree hopefully you know it's the right thing to do wouldn't we and all those conversations that happen when you're you know commissioning a new ad or you're getting sign off from the board or you're asking for the money i wanted in those conversations to be able to go it's not just good for society it's also good for your business And by representing, including everyone in, in, the, in the conversation, is going to be great. I mean, one thing that struck me, actually, I think it's the same for you, actually, ITV, is um, uh, we were chatting to Tesco in the development of the report, and they said, well, in any 12-week period, 75% of the UK population will be in a Tesco, right? Why wouldn't we want to reflect everybody in what we do? And actually, Tesco, I think, have, 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 you know, really lent into this in their advertising recently. They've done a great job. Yeah, no, I agree. I think the food love stories are great. And I just think the authenticity of them as yes. well, which is what yes. I love. And it's people you might not have seen cooking on screen before, yeah. but in a very authentic way. Yeah. And so you latch onto it straight away. So I think they're really brilliant. Yeah, no, I thought that was really powerful because, I mean, you know, you, you couldn't, you couldn't really not enjoy those lads yeah. together and, yeah. and feel, you know, the, the emotion and, and thing. Actually, it was quite interesting because, I mean, one of the things we found when we looked at um, all the data together is actually the British Asian audience. We saw a really big uplift, actually. And I, I want, and uh, quite a few comments came through of people saying, we don't often see actually Asian representation. I wonder if that's a group that perhaps has has been a bit overlooked by advertisers in the past, which could be an opportunity. Um, no, I think in television as well, I mean, we have something called Diamond, which gives us sort of on-air stats. And we can see that black representation on screen is much higher than sort of Asian representation. So def- yeah. definitely that's an area and an opportunity for broadcasters and also for advertisers. And, uh, and another ad I particularly liked as well, I, I know you and I had a chat about this, was the Nike ad, you know, Toughest Athlete. I mean, what a powerful... Yeah commercial you know you know showing the lives of pregnant women and 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 new mums as they exercise you know all that sort of thing I was really moved by it the thing that struck me of course you know um was actually the emotion I felt watching it as well but obviously you know you will relate to it that little bit more than me again you know so it's it's almost the it was quite moving actually because I I looked at the you know where we do the face trace and saw 
because it's a, a you know a story powerfully told we we all felt that sort of emotion that the women were going through but of course it's unusual to see a black yes. pregnant woman yes. on TV, isn't it? Yeah. So that yeah, I mean, I've got two children, mine are sort of late to teenagers, and I very rarely saw black yeah. women having pregnant black women on screen. I can't even think of any, and so for me, it particularly, I felt particularly connected to that. But I also think there was something really wonderful about how it made me feel in terms of, it made you feel as a woman, the most important job was being the mother. Because yes. you've got Serena Williams, but and she's the awesome yeah, role yeah. model that we love, but actually it shows you with her daughter. Yeah. And I just thought that was a really brilliant yeah. way of latching onto that, because I think it made it relatable for everybody. Because yes. we've all had a mother or been a mother yes. or seen, you know, so yeah. I just think there's something about it where it feels so universal, but it's very specific. And yeah. it was quite, I, I, and I found it, when I first saw it, I was, it's quite a strong image it when is. I first saw it, which again yeah. is a really brilliant, a really powerful image. But I also think that because Nike have such a history of being a very active social brand, you know, with all the Brian Kaepernick stuff and various yeah. other things, I think they've sort of earned the right to do that. Whereas I think other brands, you might not feel so That's comfortable about. That's a fabulous about. point, actually, isn't it? That, uh, you know, in terms, of, in terms of this conversation is that if what you project externally doesn't reflect yeah. what you're doing internally, yes. there's a disconnect. Yes. And in, particularly in today's society, that, that disconnect can become yeah. very obvious very quickly. Yeah. And, and you, you come massively unstuck, don't you, as an organisation, if... And I think that's really important for advertisers and broadcasters is you sort of have to live by your values. So if you're taking ads out about diversity or you're doing diversity in your advertising, you need to make sure that's also translating internally to your business. So in your staff and how yeah. your staff feel and how the opportunities are, because I think you need to do both now because I think people expect that of brands. Yeah. Something that struck me as well, actually, and I remember we had the conversation about this ad as well, is, is how, how well the everyday ads did. In, in the selection. I mean, there's a lovely one, Ikea, the wonderful every day, wasn't it? Yeah. Which had a lovely black family just having fun at home and yeah. doing the things that families do. And it struck me, again, this came through in the, some of the qualitative comments, people going, we don't want to be defined but I mean, some people said the struggle and yeah. they use words like that, but we don't want to be defined by our, you know, characteristics and, and, and just felt a real warmth at seeing, oh, this is like normal every day. And, yeah. and, and there's a real powerful connection. So those kind of ads won't probably win any awards because mm. they're not necessarily, mm. but actually they're doing a lot of the hard work, I think, in actually, you know, make, you know appealing to everybody and just yeah. showing the wonderful every day, I think. It's... I, I agree with you about that. I just think that we don't, you know, when you're a black woman or you don't spend all your time thinking about your colour. Yeah, Often yeah. you're thinking, have your kids done your homework and have yeah. you washed up? Yeah. And I think the wonderful every day really captured that. And so it felt much, it, it felt, you know, this year we've talked a lot about race. We've all yeah. feel quite exhausted and we didn't have to think about that. So I think that was really, really good. But I do think something's quite interesting about advertising and about television more generally is that we still define them as a black family. And if they're a white family, we wouldn't define them as a white yeah. family. So you think the journey ultimately be, will be when you don't have to you define them. Yes. 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 So I think 100%. that's when we get to the, that point. That's really interesting, isn't it? So, yeah, because you, you're right. The experience of the last 18 months have accelerated a conversation that was important yeah. to have, but perhaps the unintended consequences, it's, it's made us start to categorise and see things in that, you know, but buy, buy boxes and yeah, I think you, I think you have yeah. to go through the phases. You sort of maybe that's a yeah. necessary yeah. part. Yeah, you've, you've got you've got to go through that phase. Yeah. You've got to go through that phase, and getting people included and going yeah. through that phase is absolutely right. But you wonder at the end, we'll get to the stage they where normalise yes, it, where, and move where, it. Yeah. yeah, where we're just including everyone all the time, so we don't need to talk about their characteristics. Yeah, no, that's really really interesting. That and then I mean another thing that struck out. I mean we, we talked about it at the end. You know we sort of referred to this earlier actually was the idea that sort of 
diversity itself isn't an identity. So, of course, within groups mm -hmm. of people, you know, there's lots of different kinds yes. of diversity, isn't it? I mean, we, I mean, the classic one, of course, is LGBTQ+, yes. isn't it? Like, yes. we, we suddenly lumped together an extraordinarily yes. diverse group of people and we've sort of put them in a single box and go, yes. well, that's ad for you, you know, yes. sort of thing. So I think, I wonder whether that's also quite important to think about. I mean, Starbucks did it quite well, mm -hmm. didn't they, with that really quite moving kind of ad and you felt wow what a moment I, again this this shows the importance of researching your audience yes. i didn't realize that you know if you're trans and you're going through that sort of experimenting with a name yes. i think they call it dead naming don't they yes. where you sort of you know you let your old name go and you start using a new one that something as every day as going into starbucks and going what's your name and put it on a cup could actually be quite life-changing yes. and quite important yes. and that 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 i mean that spoke to me quite powerfully yes. about the importance of doing the research yes. really in the kind of creative process and yeah. you know telling a specific back to the point about being telling a specific story well rather than trying to because I think a lot of the ads um, that I, uh, you often see are sort of like let's do a little bit of everybody mm -hmm. rather than a lot of somebody yes. and, and I, th I felt it was quite powerful to see a lot of somebody represented. Yes I think it really was and I thought that back to you know when you think about sort of how people can Back to the point about people not feeling nervous about doing diversity yes. in their ads. I think this is a really brilliant example because I think it's a very bold ad, but I think they deliver it with incredible confidence yeah. and it's incredibly authentic and it's incredibly emotional and moving and it really, really works. But I think they have permission to do that because they've spoken to the people. Yes. And so if you haven't got those people on your team, how do you make sure that you're consulting a wide range of people to make sure that your portrayal is accurate? And I think that's a really oh, I good think lesson. That's incredibly good advice that is because, yeah. I mean, I, I talked to quite a few, in my day job, quite a few CMOs, agency type people, and, and, and everybody wants to do the right thing. I, I I've never met anybody that's yeah. gone, we don't, we don't want to do yeah. this, right? We're not, on yeah. the, you know, we're not signed up to it. But I think because a lot of people live their lives on Twitter, particularly, yeah. you know, that, that they're seeing some of the conversations that go on, they're seeing some of the, the reaction, and, and they, worry, they worry a little bit more than they should yeah. do. And, and I, I think... Probably if there's one thing I really wanted this report to do was, yes. was, was just to take that fear away and just yes. go, look, you can have real confidence here. Yes. Oh, and by the way, here are 12 kick-ass ads yes. that not only work for the general population that will yes. deliver results, but oh my day, when you look at the, yes. you know, you look at the extra emotion intensity you get for a represented audience, you're yes. just getting a, as we call it, di a, a dividend on top, yes. you know, yes. it's the right thing. And also they stand out, don't they? They because do. they stand yes. out so it's back yes. to the thing you're trying to yes. get your ads to stand out yeah. by telling stories that haven't been told before yes. they stand out that, well, that's incredibly important because of course you, you, you know you're trying to create attention you're trying yes. to capture his attention and trying to make things stick in their memory like you said about the Nike ad yes. I, I, I haven't forgotten that no. you know what I mean there are not many ads I don't forget you yes. know that, that's one that I you know just sorry not, not many ads I do remember you know after seeing it but that yes. was one that I thought oh wow yeah that's, 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 but that's also, right. I still think so. The, the, all those, so I love the Nike advert and I love the Starbucks advert, but at a more mainstream level, I love the Boots advert. Yes, you know, <laughs> I absolutely yeah, love yeah, that yeah. because I think yes. it is not necessarily going to win any awards, but you completely connect to it. Yeah, and you wish you were on holiday when you watch it. Yeah, and yeah. and you feel you get that holiday feeling. One of the one of the biggest like um, one of the biggest tensions we have at System One actually is that what what typically gets awards 
and what works in real life yeah. is just getting more and more apart. Yeah. And, and what I love about this report, because we've given some evidence that, you know, that showing, showing the wonderful every day or like the Boots ad yeah. where it's just, it's just people having yeah. fun. And real women, women yeah, are more exactly. than sexy sizes. This is real women. They're on holiday. They're having, you know, good, great time. We Boots are there to, you know, help you, you know, sort of thing. And like you say, that, that stuff isn't winning awards, but it, it should do. There needs to be another yeah. kind of awards yes. where we go, yeah. you know, what are the things that everybody sees and sees yeah. themselves? We and have that in, our, in, um, in, the, in television. So we have the BAFTAs, yes. which is like the industry, if you like, and then yeah. we have the National Television Awards, which is sort of real people. Ah, so maybe you need right. the sort of national advertising I love awards. it. We've got to collaborate <laughs> on this. <laughs> We've got, we got to do the equivalent of that for advertising, <laughs> yeah. which is like what the people thought, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, because actually we studied this at System for quite some years and it, it used to be the case that what won awards was also what generally was, was light. And um, we've actually been monitoring it over many years and it's growing apart. So it's interesting. So we're sort of having a conversation with ourselves yeah. and what we think is great and, 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 the, and the disconnect with the people. Yeah. But I think in a way, maybe it comes back to almost your class point as well. I think because the industry has run or can be actually, well, no, diversity in general, actually, but by a small clique, it can get disconnected from actually the lives of everyday people up and down the country. So I think that's where diversity is going to help us, re, you know, understand the audience that we serve and, and represent them better. And that's going to pay dividends. Isn't it? Yeah. And I think we all have, you know, in terms of things you used to do, I think we all have a responsibility to make sure that we don't do that in that we should be connected to lots of different communities yes. in that we shouldn't have too narrow a mindset when we have such important jobs like working in television or working in advertising we shouldn't just hang around with 20 people that live in our street we should be constantly looking to find out what other people's lives are like so that we can represent that in our work definitely it, it, it's a little bit off topic i remember when one of the one of the best years ago i, I ran a van sales team right? right so where we literally we were we were selling to individual shopkeepers and, and we convinced them to take our it, it was a kind of water brand I was watching at the time and um, I, I remember so you know all my colleagues worked in the head office and they spent all day with you know ad agencies and media yeah. buyers and, and senior management and sort of thing and then I said to my team right once a month you all go out on the vans yeah. and you speak to the people yeah. that all that, that buy from us and, and yeah. the people that we sell to and, 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 and the people that buy and I can't tell you the amount of energy well firstly the energy of yeah. like meeting the people that buy your products but also the insights that you'd never have thought of. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it, it, it is so healthy. I mean, just taking yourself out of the environment and the, yeah. the I mean, we call it the echo chamber these yeah. days, don't we? But do you know what I mean? The, all the people that are t telling back to you what you already know. But it's, I think just stepping out and giving yeah. yourself that chance to, you know, broaden your horizons is so powerful. Which is one of the things that I think is one of the great advantages of ITV is we have so much out of London. We have so yes. many offices out of London and, you know, yes. other broadcasters are moving more people out of London. And I think that really helps as well. Yeah. Just being physically located in different yeah. places, because I just think how you experience life is very different when you don't live in London. And I, it, it might be my perception, probably reality, and you'll tell me what the reality is, but I've noticed dramas particularly have got a lot more regional. And again, to, you know, it's, it's, it's a source of creativity yeah. and it's, it's, you know, representing kind of, you know, people that come from Scunthorpe or yeah. Morecambe or, yeah. you know, yeah. you know it, it, amazingly powerful dramas yeah. set in Morecambe. Yeah, you know, no, yeah, the Bay in Morecambe. Yeah, yeah, and it's exactly. amazing, isn't it? Yeah. You just watch it and you think, when can I next go to Morecambe? Yeah, yeah, yeah I know, exactly. <laughs> you tune into all the different accents. Yeah. And I, I really stuff. think that sort of geographical location thing is a very uniquely ITV thing. And it I think is. it's something that we really bring yeah. to our dramas. Yeah. So it could be Bath when you 
watch McDonald's yeah. and Dodds. I yeah. think it really brings something different. It, it does, doesn't it? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, and I think perhaps, I th- you know, perhaps you're the Tesco of yeah. broadcast, aren't you, in that you, you do represent everyone and do have that kind of thing. Um, just conscious of time, so just wanted to ask you, what, what would be, so just think, think about advertisers. What would your advice to advertisers be in terms of getting diversity and inclusion right? So what I would say is the first thing is that you've got the research now. So you don't need to fear. You now can see the opportunity. So that's the first thing. So don't have that conversation with yourself now. Just have the conversation with yourself about how are you going to do it. And I think in terms of the how, I think that if you don't feel confident because you don't have the people in your organisation, to reach out to other people who have that experience which will give you confidence in so you can authentically portray people so I think you can do that and but I think more importantly than that you have to really work hard to be authentic as businesses mm-hmm. so I'm really keen that television companies you know we have more work to do this at ITV but we need to look like our consumers we need to yeah. look like our viewers yeah. so we have to do that work internally to think how do we increase representation within our organizations so that we look like our consumers so I think that really matters so I think that you have to do that work sense. as well um, and don't be scared I mean honestly yeah. if you think about creativity and working in television or working in advertising we make lots of mistakes and everything so just make mistakes and learn for them, do them quickly. If, if you do something that has been done authentically and has been well-meaning, I think most people will give you the benefit of good faith. If you're being really cynical, they won't. So I think that if you authentically make a mistake that's coming from a good place, people will usually just say, oh, you got that wrong, this is what you should have done. Yeah. And so I don't think you should be... I don't don't limit your creativity because your fear of making mistakes. That's a wonderful, wonderful point to end. Addy, thank you so much. It's been an absolute blast. Yeah, lovely to see you. You, you too. too. Yeah, yeah, my, my friend, friend in real life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, Addy. Thank you, everybody, for listening to that episode with Addy Rawcliffe, who's Group Diversity and Inclusion Director at ITV. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed talking to her. What a wonderful individual. If you'd like to find out more about Uncensored CMO, you can give me a follow on Twitter, at Uncensored CMO. And you can also find me on LinkedIn at John Evans. Would love to hear from you. And if you would do me the honor of giving me a review on Apple Podcasts, that would be great. Remember the number five is the most important number. Um, But do honestly leave me a review, write up any comments and drop me any suggestions for guests in the future. And once again, thank you so much for listening.